Chapter 3 of The Dark Other. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dan Grzynski. The Dark Other by Stanley G. Weinbaum. Chapter 3 Psychiatrics of Genius. How do you charge? By the hour? asked Pat as Dr. Horker returned from the hall. The sound of her mother's departing footsteps pattered on the porch. Of course, young one, like a plumber. Then your rates per minute must be colossal. The only time you ever see mother is a moment or so between bridge games. I add on the time I waste with you, my dear, such as now, waiting to look over that odd swain of yours. Didn't you say he'd be over this evening? Yes, but it's not worth your rates to have him psychoanalyzed. I can do as well myself. All right, Pat. I'll give you a sample analysis free, chuckled the doctor, distributing his bulk comfortably on the Davenport. I don't like free trials, she retorted. I sent for a beauty culture book once on free trial. I was twelve years only and returned it in seven days, but I'm still getting sales letters in the mails. I must be on every sucker list in the country. So that's the secret of your charm. What is? You must have read the book, I mean. If you remember the title, I might try it myself. Think it'd help? Dr. Carl, laughed the girl. You don't need a book on beauty culture. You need one on bridge. It's that atrocious game you play that's bothering Mother. Indeed. I shouldn't be surprised if you were right. I've suspected that. Save your surprise for when I'm wrong, Doc. You'll suffer much less from shock. Confident little brat. You're apt to get that knocked out of you some day, though I hope you never do. I can take it, grinned Pat. No doubt you can. But you're an adept at handing it out. Where's this chap of yours? He'll be along. No one's ever stood me up on a date yet. I can understand that, you imp. Is that the famous Nick? He queried as a car purred to a stop beyond the windows. No one else, said the girl, glancing out. The big thrill in person. She darted to the door. Horker turned casually to watch her as she opened it, surveying Nicholas Devine with professional nonchalance. He entered, tall, slender, with his thin, sensitive features sharply outlined in the light of the hall. He cast a quick glance toward the doctor. The latter noted the curious, amber-green eyes of the lad, set wide in the lean face, deep, speculative, the eyes of a dreamer. "'Evening, Nick,' Pat was bubbling. The newcomer gave her a hasty smile with another glance at the doctor. Don't mind Dr. Carl, she continued. Aren't you going to kiss me? It irks the medico, and I never miss a chance. Nicholas flushed in embarrassment. He gestured hesitantly, then placed a hasty peck of a kiss on the girl's forehead. He reddened again at the doctor's rumble of, Young imp of Satan? Not very good, said Pat reflectively, obviously enjoying the situation. I've known you to do better. She pulled him towards the arch of the living room. 
Come meet Dr. Horker. Dr. Carl, this is the aforesaid Nicholas Devine. Dr. Horker, repeated the lad, smiling diffidently. You're the psychiatrist and brain specialist, aren't you, sir? So my patients believe, rumbled the massive doctor, rising at the introduction and grasping the youth's hand. And you're the genius Patricia has been raving about. I'm glad to have the chance of looking you over. Nick gave the girl a harassed glance, shifting uncomfortably and patently at a loss for a reply. She grinned mischievously. Sit down, both of you, she suggested helpfully. She seized his hat from the reluctant hands of Nick, sailing it carelessly to a chair. So, boomed the doctor, lowering his great bulk again to the Davenport. He eyed the youth sitting nervously before him. Divine, did you say? Yes, sir. I knew a divine once, colleague of mine. A doctor? My father was a doctor. Dr. Stuart Devine? Yes, sir, he paused. Did you say you knew him, Dr. Horker? Slightly, rumbled the other. Only slightly. I don't remember him at all, of course. I was very young when he, and my mother too, died. You must have been. Patricia claims you right. I try. What sort of material? Why, any sort prose or poetry, what I feel like writing. Whatever inspires you, I suppose? Yes, sir, the lad flushed again. Ever have anything published? Yes, sir, in Nation's Poetry. Never heard of it. It has a large circulation, said Nick apologetically. Hmm. Well, that's something. Whom do you like? Whom do I like? The youth's tone was puzzled. What authors? Writers? Oh, he cast another uncomfortable glance at Pat. Why, I like Baudelaire, and Poe, and Swinburne, and Vion, and... Decadence, all of them, sniffed the doctor. What prose writers? Well, he hesitated, Poe again, and Stern, and Rabelais. Rabelais? Horker's voice boomed. Well, your tastes can't be as bad as I thought then. There's one we agree on, anyway. And I notice you name no moderns, which is another good point. I haven't read many moderns, sir. That's in your favor. Cut it, put in Pat with assumed sharpness. You've taken enough wax at my generation for one day. I'm glad to find one of your generation who agrees with me, chuckled the doctor at least to the extent of not reading its works. I'll teach him, grinned Pat. I'll have him writing less libre and maybe even Dadaism in a week. Maybe it won't be much loss, grunted Horker. I haven't seen any of his work yet. We'll bring some around sooner or later. We will, won't we, Nick? Of course, if you want to, but... He's going to say something modest, interrupted the girl. He's in the retiring mood now, but he's apt to change any moment and snap your surly head off. Hmph, I'd like to see it. So'd I, retorted Pat. You've had it coming all day. Maybe I'll do it myself. You have, my dear, innumerable times. 
but I am like the Hydra, except that I grow only one head to replace the one you snap off. He turned again to Nicholas. Do you work? Yes, sir, at my writing. I mean, how do you live? Why? said the youth, reddening again in embarrassment. My parents. Listen, said Pat, that's enough of Dr. Carl's cross-examination. You think he was a Victorian father who had just been approached for his daughter's hand. We haven't whispered any news of an engagement to you, have we, Doc? No, but I'm acting, sure, in loco parentis. We know that. You're incorrigible, Pat. I wash my hands of you. Run along if you're going out. You'll be telling me never to darken my own door again in the next breath. She stretched forth a diminutive foot at the extremity of a superlatively attractive ankle, caught Nick's hat on her toe, and kicked it expertly to his lap. Come on, Nick, there's a moon. There is not, objected the doctor huffily. It rises at four, as you ought to know. You didn't see it last night, did you? I didn't notice, said the girl. Come on, Nick, and we'll watch it rise tonight. We'll check up on the doctor's astronomy, or is it chronology? You do, and I'll know it. I can hear you come home, you imp. Nice neighbor observed Pat airily, as she stepped to the door. I'll bet you peek out of the window, too. She ignored the doctor's irritated rumble as she passed into the hall, where Nick, after a diffident murmur of farewell to Horker, followed. She caught up a light cape, which he draped about her shoulders. Nick, she said, suppose you run out to the car and wait. I think I've stepped too hard on Dr. Carl's corns, and I want to give him a little cheering up, will you? Of course, Pat. She darted back into the living room, perching on the arm of the Davenport beside the doctor. Well, she said, running her hand through his grizzled hair, what's the verdict? Seems like a nice kid, grumbled Horker reluctantly. Nice enough, but introverted, repressed and I shouldn't be surprised to find him antisocial. Doesn't adjust easily to his environment. Takes refuge in a dream world of his own. That's what he accuses me of doing, grinned Pat. That all you've got against him? That's all. But there's that streak of mastery you mentioned. You lead him around on a leash. It didn't show up tonight. That's the thrill. The unexpectedness of it. Bah! You must have dreamed it. There's no more aggressiveness in that lad than in Coco, your canary. Don't you believe it, Dr. Carl? The trouble is that he's a genius. And that's where your psychology falls flat. Genius, said the doctor oracularly, is a sublimation of qualities. I'll tell you tomorrow how sublime the qualities are, called Pat as she skipped out of the door. End of chapter 3